Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Well, it's a blessing to be here today and to have you here today. And uh, you know, when you walk with the Lord, it's always a good day. But when you get to be with God's people, then it seems like an even better day. So, blessing to be here. Please uh, take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We'll be looking there in just a moment. But some people, uh, thinking about why the church exists, uh, some people view the church as kind of a a fancy social club uh, that people get together to enjoy themselves. And I do enjoy getting together with you guys, but that's not the only reason we're here. Others see church as the ultimate do-gooder group, that the church exists to just help people out with their struggles in life. Hopefully you understand both of those are inaccurate, but even some of the faithful believers don't view church the way God wants us to view church. So, the, what is the primary function of the church? Well, some people, and now, okay, please listen carefully, okay? I'm going to say several things that are important, but they're not the primary reason the church exists. So I don't want you to hear part of this and say, oh, that pastor, he's weird. Yes, he is weird, but that's okay. You can live with it. Kathy has for 43 years, but my doctrine's accurate. Okay, so we want to look at what the Bible says is our priority. So some people say that the the most important part of the church is to fulfill the Great Commission. That's at the core of what we do, but that's not the most important. Uh, Some say the primary function of the church is to evangelize. Well, again, that's important. Bringing lost people to Christ is vital, but It's not the key aspect of the purpose of the church. Uh, Others say the primary function of the church is to teach the words of God, the word of Christ and the word of God. That's very important, but that's not the primary thing. And some say, well, the primary function of the church is to do the work of Christ. Again, that's really important. But it's not the most important. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, he's just named off everything that I thought was important, and he hasn't said any of them are the most important. Okay, here's what it is. The church exists to be Christ to the world. That's why the church exists, to be Christ to the world. It's not enough for us to try and evangelize. It's not enough for us to teach the words of God and the word of Christ. It's not enough for us to do the work of Christ. It's not enough for us to fulfill the Great Commission. We need to see our responsibility to be Christ to the world. God has raised the bar here, and it's going to stretch you for the rest of your life. But that's why the church exists. So pause a moment and let that sink in. The church, this church, Victory Baptist Church, exists to be Christ to the world. 
So this morning we are continuing our series through Ephesians titled In Him. And uh, we're trying to focus on our need to follow Christ in salvation or trust him in salvation and then follow in him for our daily lives. We need to be Christ to the world. We need to follow him. And so this morning, we're going to look at a couple of verses in Ephesians and then in Colossians and then in the Gospel of John and then back to Colossians and then back to Ephesians. So, uh, but we're thinking about what's said here in God's word. The church is the fullness of Christ. The church is the fullness of Christ. So I earlier asked you to turn to Ephesians 1. Hopefully, if you did, you're there. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22. And he put all things under his feet. Now, he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He says that in verse 20. So now in verse 22, he put all things under Jesus Christ's feet and gave him, Jesus Christ, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So if people ask you, well, who's the head of your church? Do not say Pastor Terry Green. Say the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church, and every one of us submit to Jesus. We all answer to him. We all report to him. Uh, Jeff joked around once when he came and met me in my study, and he said, man, I feel like I got summoned to the principal's office. Now, it was a good thing. He wasn't in trouble that time. No, I don't think he ever has been in the church, but uh, he might have been at other places of his life. But we come here together, all of us submitting to Jesus Christ, and we are the fullness of Christ. Now, I want you to get a better picture of what that means so we're going to back up just a little. We're going to look at a couple other passages of Scripture. So we're going to pause and, and turn to a related passage in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. We're going to look at a few verses there. And then we're going to jump to John 14 and then back to Colossians 2 and then back to Ephesians 1. And hopefully I'll put it all together and have it make sense, have it click for you in the way that it has for me. All right, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of man, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Now look at verse 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So he is the fullness of the Godhead, and we then are complete in him. All right, now, when we look at Scripture, we see Christ is the fullness of God, right? So when Jesus walked on the earth, if people had been paying attention and watching Jesus, they would have seen that's what God's like. 
If they'd been listening to him, they would have found out what was important to God. If they'd been watching him interact with people, they would have seen how God lives and loves. They followed him because he was the way to God. Jesus himself testified of this in John 14. So we're going to turn there and look. Now, if you come to a Bible class in our church, and sometimes in the church service also, we talk about the context, because verses are not written in isolation. I mean, there's a few of them in the book of Proverbs that are kind of standalone. Here's this two-sentence or two-verse idea. Uh, but for the most part, the Bible's all written connected to itself. So we're looking at part of Ephesians and part of uh, Colossians and part of John, and we're just, we're not picking verses out and then isolating them because we're looking, thinking about the context in which they were written. Now, we're now in John chapter 14. What book of the Bible is this chapter in? John, yeah. And John is one of the Gospels. They talk about Jesus, introduce the life of Jesus, uh, walk us through the life of Jesus, the four Gospels. The four Gospels are part of the New Testament. There was the Old Testament, which ends in the book of Malachi, and the New Testament, which starts in the book of Matthew. And so they're different. But when we try and talk about the context of a verse, there's things that we need to put together. When we look at a verse, we have to think about the part that comes right before it and the part that comes right after it. That's called the context of that verse. Sometimes the verse is in the middle of a paragraph or a pericope. It's part of a book. It's part of a genre. It's part of a testament. And then it's part of the Bible. So we want to see it in its fullness. We want to see how it relates to the verses around it. This is how we study. In fact, if you really want to know how to study your Bible better, come to the adult Bible class. Tim's teaching through that and helping you understand how to study God's word more effectively. So you take the verse and then the context the verse is setting in, and then you take that passage, that paragraph or pericope, and that, which is sometimes longer than a paragraph, and that book, that chapter of that book, and then you fit it all together in that book, and then you fit that all together in the teaching of the Bible. For instance, I like to use this illustration to people. There's a verse in the Bible that says, Jesus teaching in Matthew 6, that when you pray, enter into your closet and pray to your father in secret. And then in uh, Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, pray without ceasing. So if those are the only two verses you have on prayer in all of Scripture, what do you do? You go into your closet, you shut the door, you pray to your Father in secret, and you never stop praying. Eventually, you're going to die in the closet. Okay? You have to take what the Bible teaches about prayer, not just what this verse says and that verse says. You've got to fit it together. And so this morning, what we're trying to do is fit together this concept of the fullness so that we can understand the significance of the role of the church in the world today. Okay, so in John 14, we're going to start in verse 1. Jesus says, these verses we love, we often quote them at memorial services, let not your heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Isn't that kind of cool? God's in heaven preparing a place for you right now. And if I go and prepare a place for you, um, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Where I go, you know, and the way you know. Well, then Thomas has a question. Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus gives him an answer that we often quote, we love. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then Jesus expands this a little. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, Philip, probably the youngest of all the apostles, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And then Jesus explains to him in verse 9, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how could you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. In John 10, 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. So what Jesus is saying in John 14, when you have seen Jesus, you have seen the fullness of of the Father, the fullness of the Father. You don't need to see the Father separately. You see the Father in Jesus. You don't, Jesus said, you know, when Philip said, show us the Father, and Jesus said, dude, look at me. You look at me, you see the Father. You don't have to see God the Father separate from God the Son. They are, in essence, completely uh, the same. And so they saw Jesus, they saw the Father. And Jesus said, if you know him, then you know me, because the Father and I are one, and the Trinity of Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, in absolute equality and absolute unity. So with the possible exception of John, his disciples didn't fully comprehend this until after the resurrection. Jesus understood it, and John maybe did, but nobody else did. Uh, when they fully realized his godness, then from then on, they don't call him Jesus. They call him Lord and Christ, and sometimes the Lord Jesus Christ. But they don't just call him Jesus, my buddy. They call him my Lord and Savior. And they don't refer to themselves as the apostles of Jesus. They call themselves bondservants and slaves. Why? Because they got the fullness of who Jesus is as Jesus represents the fullness of God. So now let's go back to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. You see on the screen, I'm highlighting the word fullness. We're looking at this again. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9 Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of man, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, in Jesus Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
the fullness. That Greek word is pleroma. Pleroma. The fullness of God. And it means having every necessary part. Having every necessary part. Now, have you ever purchased something that needed to be assembled and it was missing a part? There's a bolt in there that's supposed to be, but it's not in the package. And so you can't put it together. Or the puzzle has a missing piece. Or there's a significant page from the book that's missing. I was reading along in a book once, and I got to page like 230, and then it, it like started over at page 180. I thought, what? what? And then I read on a little more, and sure enough, it was just repeating. It never finished the book. They, I don't remember how I handled that. Probably not very well. <laughs> but you go to a restaurant, and you order a meal, and they bring you your meal, and something's missing. I know, you guys. You just sit there, and you say, oh, well, I got most of what I wanted. This is great. That's what you do? I don't think so. Hopefully, politely, you say, excuse me, I also ordered this. Now, the real problem is if between when they gave you your order and when they bring the rest of it, this stuff's cooled off and you wanted to eat them together, that's, that's a little annoying. We understand the problem of not having the fullness. It's not that we want everything in the world, although we kind of do, but what we want what we have to be complete. Nobody wants half a meal. Nobody wants a puzzle with missing pieces. Nobody wants something mechanical that can't be put together because there's missing bolts. We want it complete. So uh, Jesus is the pleroma of God. He is what completes us. When all the parts are there and everything fits together perfectly, it is pleroma. It is perfecto. It, It is all complete. And that's what Jesus is in God. Jesus is the complete fullness of God. And then in verse 10, he says, you are complete in him. Now, pleroma is the word they use to describe Jesus. And to be complete in him is pleromanoi. It's the same thing. It's dependent on another but we are complete in Jesus the way Jesus completes God the Father. So you're completed by the one who shows you the completeness of God the Father. Uh, Now let's jump back to Ephesians, okay? Ephesians chapter 1. And let's look again at what it said in verse 22 He, God the Father, put all things under his, the Lord Jesus Christ's feet and gave him, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be head over all things to the church. So Jesus is in charge of the church. The church submits to him. All of us collectively and each of us individually submit to him. And the head directs, the body follows. Right? That's how it works. Then in verse 23, he says, which is his body. The church is the body of Christ. This church is the body of Christ. That, that's a picture Joel took for me last Sunday. 
And that was our church gathering together. And we are the body of Christ as we represent him here on earth. And so uh, now in verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the church is the fullness of Christ. The church is the fullness of Christ, the pleroma of Jesus Christ. When the church is being the body of Christ, it is the perfect and complete image of exactly who Jesus is. So the people in this world can watch the church, those of us who live and work around here, they can watch the church and see, oh, that's what Jesus is like. Because they see his people being Christ to the world. Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the perfect and complete image of exactly who God is. And now we are the fullness of Christ bodily. We are the body of Christ. We are the fullness of Christ bodily, our church body. We show the world what Jesus looks like as they watch this assembly of believers called the body of Christ. They see what Jesus looks like. Your responsibility then is to represent Jesus. And that responsibility is just as vital to the work of God as it was for Jesus to represent the Father. It's just as important for you to represent Christ. Now, you can't do some of the stuff Jesus did. I can't heal people. I can pray for them to be healed, and sometimes they are, and we rejoice in those answered prayers. I can counsel people as Jesus did. I can lead people to follow God as Jesus did, and and so can you. But there's some things Jesus did that we can't do. We can't die for other people to bear this punishment of their sins. You could risk your life. You could die saving other people. But that's not the same thing as what Jesus did. He paid the judicial punishment for their sins. No one else can do that. But we can represent him. And so you help to show the world what the Savior looks like. You help to show the world, you want to know Jesus? Look at our church. Now, this is not braggadocio. I'm not saying, check out victory, man. We look like Jesus. That's that's not what he's saying here. This is like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He was saying, look at my life, and hopefully I will be pointing you to Jesus Christ. It's never bragging. You know, you don't go out into Walmart and say, I am a representative of Jesus Christ. I am here as an ambassador from heaven to talk to you poor earthlings. Okay, that's not how we do it. In fact, if you do that too much, they might put you in one of those special cells with special jacket. Okay? But what we need to realize is, Please listen carefully. What you need to realize is the only understanding some people will have of what Jesus is like is by watching you. Now, is that a little bit sobering? 
our pastor, when Kathy and I were growing up, he would often say, you may be the only Christian someone will know and the best one. If you are the best representative of Jesus Christ to this community, would the people in this community be drawn to Jesus Christ? See, that's, that's our job. That's what we do. That's who we are. We are to be Christ to the world. And if we're not doing that, then the world's not seeing Jesus. There is no plan B. There's no, you know, when the church doesn't make it, then well, then we have a parachurch organization and they're going to do it. No, Jesus said only the church is his body. Only the church represents him. And there's not an option to do church halfway and then do some other thing. We need to do church all the way. We need to represent Jesus Christ here in this community and here on this planet. And one of the ways we represent Christ in other places are we support missionaries who believe God's word and trust God's word and follow Jesus Christ and we help support their labors in other parts of the world. But we show what the Savior is like. So if you're not showing it well, you need to make some changes in your life. Now, here's the really cool thing. You're never too old to learn something new. You're never too young to make significant life decisions. At the age you are right now, you can step closer to the Lord. You can follow him more accurately, serve him more completely, represent him more honorably, you can do that right where you are, right where you live, because that's what God's word teaches. That even Paul writing to Titus said, in this present world, you can be an example of Jesus to the people around you. So this morning, we're going to be participating in what is called the Lord's Supper or Communion. This is when we observe and we look back on what Jesus did. We focus on his death on the cross. And we look at how he died in our place. Now, what Jesus did was not human sacrifice. What Jesus did was there was a judicial death sentence that we deserved. And he took it for us. It was the judgment of God for our sins on Christ all at once, all on the cross. All the sins of all the world of all time, all at once on the cross. And so this service is a memorial service. We're looking back at what Jesus did uh, when he paid the penalty for our sins. That's why we trusted him as our savior. It's also a dedication service. We're committing to follow Jesus and uh, to obey his commands and follow his leadership because he is the head over the church and we are his body and it's our responsibility to fully represent him. Now, did you see the very end of verse 22? He is, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We don't have to do this in our own strength. 
We don't have to manufacture something. We are his fullness because he fills us with his Holy Spirit. He fills us with his power and knowledge and we can follow him and we can represent him because he makes that possible. If you're following this service online, then we're going to cut out in just a moment. Uh, We're going to stop the streaming. The scriptures teach that when the Lord's Supper was involved, Jesus got his apostles together. And then later when uh, Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, he said, when you come together. So there's a gathering together. Physical proximity was important to Jesus and to the apostles. And so we try and follow what they teach. Some churches have all kinds of rituals. Our church doesn't. We have two ordinances the Lord's Supper and baptism because those were commanded in scriptures and taught in the gospel, uh, taught in the gospel by Christ and then in the letters to the churches by the apostles. So we try and follow the plan the Bible has for churches. Is this a ritual? A little bit of a ritual. It's what we call an ordinance. It's a thing that we do because we are followers of Jesus Christ. The rule in the Bible was When you come together, partake together. So we're going to sign off from online and we're going to just participate in it with those who are here. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.